the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome back, Rob, with you. Rob, Rob. Let me try that again in English. Johnny Rob Walgate with you on this Friday morning. Johnny behind the glass, spinning tunes, holding it all down, screening calls. Much appreciated. Here we go. Hour number two. We ready to get it going? Yes, sir. Let's get it going. Let's get it going with some listeners. 216-901-0945 is the number. We want to say good morning to Jim in West Park. Jim, welcome to the program. Good morning. Uh, I think one of our biggest threats is our elections. Uh, There's a book out called The Naked Communist, okay, and it's endorsed by Ronald Reagan and Ben Carson. And do you know that a lot of the people that ran for the Democrat Party for the president are members of the American Communist Party? Buttigieg, Sanders, Klobuchar... Pocahontas, Yang, all them people. Well, they, I think the only one that wasn't was Biden. But they'd made oh. they'd made other allegiances or other statements. I mean, obviously Bernie Sanders being the most um, well known of that, and that that's one thing. Listen, I, either party. I think we've made a mistake in this country in tying allegiances to either party. That's what the founders warned us about. It is the factions that will divide us, and they sure have divided us. And but when I look at Bernie Sanders, I think about you know why would the Democrats even let him run in the primary? Why would they let him be involved in the process if he wasn't a member of their party? So um, he's definitely one that was on the outside looking well, in. We we have Democrats that jump the Democrat Party and come over to the Republican Party, and that's, we got these rhinos. But here, I want to make a couple of other points, then you can talk about them. Einstein was once asked, what would World War III be like? And he said, I don't know, but I know World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. And my favorite passage in the Bible, one of the last few words that Jesus spoke uh, before he died was forgive them father for they know not what they're doing and thank you for taking my call rob you got it jim no thank you for the call well you know what i'll say to that is um i think about that quote from jesus forgive them for they know not what they do um that's where the responsibility relies on us in the decisions that we make we know that um, Scripture tells us we'll be held to account for those decisions, and we have to do our job in researching and knowing and understanding what those decisions, what impact they will have on each of us. You know, some people tell me all the time, they say, Rob, you know what? 
And, th- and these are Christian folks. They'll say, you know what? Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take part in elections. I'm not getting invo- involved in politics because Jesus he wouldn't be involved in anything controversial. I'm like Jesus wouldn't be involved in anything controversial. Can we talk about a few things for a minute? I think Jesus was only controversial I, at I the mean, time. Let, let, let's let, let's talk about a virgin birth. Is that controversial? So let, let's think about that for a minute. Let's th- let's talk about an empty tomb. How controversial is that? Walking on water. Uh, you know, he was killed because of how controversial he was. I mean, so the thought of him saying he has full authority in everything in heaven and earth, and again, here we go, hour number two, sermon number two, I guess, on this Friday morning. But for if, if we're going to say that's our worldview, a biblical worldview, and our faith resides there, if we believe that and we believe in Christ and that he has ultimate authority over everything in heaven and earth, then wouldn't he also have authority in the political realm? And he wouldn't tell us, oh, I have all authority except for that part. You can put that part on a shelf and you don't have to touch it. But I don't think, um, but I'll also say, I don't think Jesus would have authority over people with just certain letters next to their name based on which political party that they belong to or associate with. Because I think you see both sides um, manipulated. And and when it comes to the political process, if we truly love our neighbor, if you love your neighbor, don't you want to have a say in who serves an elected office, who has political authority over your neighbor? Don't you want to have a say over who gets to be in that position and have that? And we all were very fortunate to live in the United States where we have a say. I used to have the attitude and the mantra that I would only encourage people to vote that agreed with me on the issues. That That's that's how I felt at a, at a time. And I've changed my perspective on that. And the reason I've changed my perspective on that is because I believe the more people that are involved in the process, the more that people become engaged in care. And I think that Dave Zanotti said it very well in the last hour when he talked about people believe in freedom. And when you have a say in the process, you realize sometimes that the government and elected officials are um, holding you down or restraining you or telling you when your business can open and when it can't open or telling you what you must or mustn't put into your body or what your children must have on their faces when they go to school. People don't want that. They want freedom. That's why I think you'll see changes happening. And that's why we have to be involved in the process. He all he also highlighted and mentioned the election from 2020 that Mike DeWine um, <laughs> canceled. Let's go back and revisit that. And again, the only reason we're going to talk about this and understand it is because we don't want to see history repeat itself. And we're headed down a dangerous path as it comes to the May 3rd, 2022 primary in the state of Ohio, because we don't even technically, we don't even have district boundaries official yet. I mean, the Supreme Court has kind of thrown its weight around on this issue multiple times. So let's let's look at 2020, what happened, if you remember. Primary election day in 2020 was supposed to be on March 17th. On March 16th, Mike DeWine went into court and basically wanted um, an injunction from a judge 
to allow him to postpone the election. And the judge basically said, get out of here. Do not involve me in this. Because Mike DeWine could have called the General Assembly together the week before because constitutionally the General Assembly are the ones that set the election date. So they need to be involved in the process of changing it. So the judge said, no, I'm I'm not playing this game. You're not dragging me into this. Get out. So then that's when Mike DeWine had Amy Acton sign a health order. If you remember, she had ultimate authority. She had, when it came to um, issues of health and quarantine, 3701.13 of Ohio Revised Code, my wife still twitches, I think, every time I say 3701.13. But that's where the authority came from for Amy Acton to do whatever Amy Acton darn well pleased, and her signature did. Her signature shut down businesses. Her signature closed schools. Her signature bullied funeral homes into not allowing uh, people to have services for their family. Uh, such a shame. My blood pressure is going up on a Friday morning. But so the election... She signed an order saying the election couldn't take place the next day. The problem is she doesn't have that authority. Only the General Assembly had that authority. So the General Assembly knew that they had an issue. So after the fact, after Election Day was supposed to happen, the General Assembly then went in and changed the Election Day, primary day in 2020, to June. And it was going to be constructed via mail and blah, 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 and all the other craziness. Meanwhile, you had what? over a million people that had already voted because they voted early or absentee. And now it's in disarray because we've set the precedent in the state of Ohio that the General Assembly can change the date of an election after the election was already supposed to happen. So how does that work? How is that possible? How do we allow that to happen? Well, we did allow it to happen. Now, some people are driving off the road right now, yelling at the radio, saying, Rob, we were in the middle of a pandemic. Okay, we were in like day six of the pandemic, number one. Number two, why didn't Mike DeWine do it the week before with the General Assembly legally the way he had to do it or could have done it? And I, I know what the excuse is. I've heard it before. It got so bad in the 24 hours previous. No, it didn't. All those models, all those things we've referenced before from Ohio State didn't come to fruition the way you promised that they would come to fruition, even with masking, even with intervention. People were very scared, I think, and that's what led to that and uh, people supporting Acton's decision to do that or DeWine's decision. But in hindsight, after everything that we've gone through, that judge sticking to the Constitution and saying, no, we have to have this election, we had it during the Civil War back in 1863 with Lincoln, I think, 64, yeah. Yeah. We can have it during a uh, not very dangerous flu pandemic, looking back in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it was, I mean, again, and I, I'm not one to say that, you know, COVID wasn't real. Listen, listen, no, no, no. I've had COVID twice, full disclosure. My temp the second time hit 105 degrees. Wasn't a lot of fun. Wasn't fun at all. Didn't enjoy it. What I'm saying is, we live in a republic to where one person doesn't have the authority to change the rule of law. We don't live in an environment where we can have a dictator. The problem is, is that many people, they want freedom, but they're willing to go along with the dictator as long as the dictator does what they want. The problem is the dictator is going to turn on them eventually as well. 
So that's why you can't applaud dictators. It doesn't work out. It doesn't work out for anyone involved except for that elite class. That's why you saw so many times, um, whether it was Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago breaking the rules, whether it was Governor Whitmer in Michigan breaking the rules, whether it was the governor in Illinois breaking the rules. So many times you saw elected officials hand down what they believe the rules should be for the peasant class, and then they had the, their own set for the elite class. So Mike DeWine cancels the election illegally, in essence. That's what happened after the fact. General Assembly has to come in, clean up his mess. That, that's, that's how it went down. We're headed for another catastrophe in the May 2022 primary because we can't get legislative districts drawn. It's not happening in the correct manner. And the reason for that is we, we've made it such, it's gerrymandering, bottom line, but we've made it such a partisan issue on how maps are drawn, and both sides do it. Listen, but I'm an equal opportunity offender. Both sides are guilty of manipulating whatever they can to get a little gain. And here's the other thing, quite frankly. Here's the other thing. When it comes to drawing these maps, the Republicans, of course, are drawing them to their advantage. And and again, I I don't have a party affiliation right now. I pulled my party affiliation a couple election cycles ago because, uh, quite frankly, the primary commercials and the things that were being said about candidates. It all started for a candidate that I know well is a pro-life candidate. He was being attacked for not being pro-life based upon a vote, which was totally inaccurate. It was a lie, and I just had enough. I'd had enough and said, you know what, they they can sort it out. I'm not saying I won't vote in a primary again, for but here in Ohio right now, I am not um, registered or affiliated with a political party. So that that's my um, <laughs> that's my disclaimer. But both of them manipulate the maps, use the maps to their advantage, and here's what else they do with those maps. You want to know what else they do? You know why they love this chaos? Because they use it every chance they get to fundraise off of it. Because the Democrats are sending you emails every single day saying, hey, look at what the Republicans are doing drawing these maps. They're trying to quiet your voice. And then the Republicans are sending you emails saying, hey, look at the Democrats fighting this. They don't want you to have a say in who represents you in Columbus and Washington. It's the system, and they're using it against yourself and your neighbor. And we have to understand that, and we have to step up and unite together. Because at the end of the day, we're all in this together. More of your calls after the break, 216-901-0945. You're listening to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome back to Always Right with Bob France. Rob Walgate with you on this Friday morning. I get a little fired up before the break, Johnny. Nothing wrong with being fired up. So much to talk about when it comes to elections, how elections are done. Let's take a look at the state of Ohio. Our maps still aren't locked solid. You have people that have filed petitions to run in certain districts. Those districts maybe could change. It, it, it it's chaotic. I mean, it's truly chaotic right now. I'll give you a perfect example. So, 
You know, Anthony Gonzalez did what he did. Oof. Okay, so he did what he did, but he represents the 16th congressional district in the state of Ohio. Then you had Max Miller come in who say he's going to run against Anthony Gonzalez, and I know why he did what he did for name recognition, to be out there, for things to happen. Okay, great. He did that. He was going to run in the 16th. And, and, and he knew this, but, I mean, there, it, it becomes confusing. That's why I always feel like when I'm here, I, I feel like sometimes I can be confusing because we're going to dive into the deep... Um, <laughs> We're going to dive into revised code. We're, I feel like we're reading encyclopedias, and I understand that can be boring. The stuff we talk about sometimes, but we need to know it. So Max Miller saying he's going to run in the 16th district. Here's the problem. There was going to be no 16th district after 2022. <laughs> Ohio lost a congressional seat. Now there's only going to be 15 districts. Max Miller didn't even know if he was going to be in the same district where Anthony Gonzalez was. No one knew how that district was going to be drawn. Now, the interesting part is you do not have to live. You have to be an Ohio resident, but you don't have to live in the congressional district in which you're going to run. I see that look. How does that work? It, it works that you, you can live in Ohio and be an Ohio resident. Some Shouldn't people, you represent? You should, 100%. 100%. 100% you should. So that's why people say where they're going to run, and most people then um, jump on board and grab a condo or grab something somewhere. So they are able to live in that district. So Max Miller is going to run in the 16th. The problem is there's going to be no 16th now. Well, now the way the district's drawn, Max Miller, in essence, would have that district that he would intend to run in is going to run against Bob Gibbs, who's an incumbent in another district in the state of Ohio. So now you have Max Miller, who's got the endorsement from Donald Trump, and then you have Bob Gibbs, who, like every other Republican right now, can't say Trump enough in 30-second commercials. Um, and Bob Gibbs is tightly aligned with Jane Timpkin, who a lot of Republicans right now are quite frank, or rephrase, a lot of conservatives right now do not want to support for the United States Senate because of the decisions that she has made and some of her statements and quotes throughout the years. It is a total train wreck mess. And this all started because of redistricting back in 2012 when you had, when you look, here's how Republicans drew the line then. So Montville Township is next to Medina. Montville Township, I believe, one of the largest townships in the state of Ohio, has 20-some thousand people. But you ask anyone that lives in Montville Township where they're from, you know what they say? Medina. Medina. They say Medina because, in essence, they are Medina. The problem was when they drew the congressional maps in 2012, they didn't allow the same person to represent Medina that represented Montville Township. And the reason that was done behind the scenes, a little inside baseball, is because of the fact they wanted, the, the powers that be wanted to have two people represent Medina. They wanted to have two voices in D.C. represent Medina. And all it did was cause chaos and confusion because people identify as Medina. And now you're going to combine those districts because it makes sense, but now you're going to pull in an incumbent running against someone that has the endorsement from Donald Trump. It, it has the potential to be a mess. And how did we get in this mess? We got in this mess because Ohioans amended the Constitution two times, once in 2015, an off-off election year. And disclaimer, I don't think we I, – I, 
I am all for and love the fact that Ohioans have the ability through um, joint resolution, the agreement of, of the House and the Senate in coming up with something to put in front of voters, and also through gathering signatures in the signature process to amend the Ohio Constitution. We're very fortunate in the state of Ohio that we have a say in what our laws are. We did it twice. We did it in 2015 when it comes to state legislative districts. We did it again in 2018 as it comes to congressional districts. The problem is we voted for two things that we really didn't know what they meant. We just went off 30-second commercials. That's why with the work we do at the American Policy Roundtable and iVoters.com to educate voters in election cycles, that's why we do what we do, because we need to be educated, not only on the candidates running, but the ballot issues as well. So there's just so much to talk about. So little time, right, Johnny? So little time, but so much to talk about. After the break, we want to hear from you again, 216-901-0945. You're listening to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Dream always right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer. Oh, the taglines on Bob's show. I'm always smiling when I hear those. Rob Walgate with you. We have a half hour left on Always Right with Bob France. It's been a fun hour and a half thus far. A lot of information to get to in this last 30 minutes together before we hit the weekend and dare I say a little bit of snow. Oh, but we're going to close the show with another story of things falling from the sky, and it 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 won't it won't be snow. Joining us right now is Melanie Elsie. Melanie is the legislative director for the American Policy Roundtable. I'm honored to be able to call Melanie a colleague of mine, and Melanie does so much work behind the scenes. She's the one that before I meet with lawmakers or folks. I'm always texting, say, hey, tell me what this bill says. Tell me what that bill says. Or as we work together with lawmakers to craft legislation, so much goes on behind the scenes. And the one thing I, I appreciate appreciate about Melanie, uh, a number of things, but, you know, Melanie, you don't care who gets the credit. You just want to see good legislation pass the right way, whether it's in Ohio, Florida, or anywhere around the country. So I appreciate that. Welcome, and thanks for joining us this morning. It's great to be here. Well, one of the things that has grabbed headlines that I wanted Bob's listeners to hear about is is there's a bill in Florida. And the only thing that I've seen in all the headlines is it's called the Don't Say Gay Bill. Correct? That that's what pe- that's what they're calling on the headline. Yet when I read the legislation or look through it, the word gay is not in the bill, number 1. Doesn't prohib- prohibit anyone from saying that. And number two, the fear-mongering that's taking place in regards to the bill uh, with the empty threats or on what could happen or the bullying that could happen, I don't see that in there either. I guess my question for you is how often do we see this in legislation where the law that has been written has been totally misconstrued by the media to the general public? 
Well, Rob, that's why I keep saying you have to look behind the wrapping paper and see what's inside the box. Um, the hashtag on this is don't say gay. <laughs> the hashtag should say parental rights and education. Um, this bill, uh, which is House Bill 1557, was introduced in January. It was approved by the House in Florida in, on February 24th. It passed the Senate um, uh, earlier this week, and it's now either in route or uh, already signed by the governor. He's, he's pledged to sign it if he hasn't already done so. Um, it, it basically amends existing Florida law on the powers and responsibilities of the local school board. Um, it basically requires the school board to, to um, reinforce the fundamental right of parents to make decisions regarding the upbringing and control of their children. That's a quote from the bill. Um, it requires school staff to encourage a student to discuss issues with their parents. It prohibits local schools from prohibiting parental notification or involvement in critical decisions for their children. It prohibits classroom instruction only in grades K through 3 on, or, or by school staff or by third parties invited to come in on the topic of sexual orientation or gender identity in a manner that's not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. Now, the age-appropriate and developmentally appropriate, I think, is broad language, but that language applies to all grades, but they can't discuss the issues with grades K through 3. doesn't say parents can't discuss the issues with their children. Um, the, what's really, the, I think, a bigger story in this bill is that uh, parents are required to be notified when health care services offered to the, is offered at their school and an option to withhold consent or decline. Parents across the country don't realize the extent to which their children are being given non-academic healthcare-related services at their local schools. And this bill requires the school to lay out a list of services to parents at the beginning of each school year, and the parents have the capacity to with, withhold consent or, or decline consent. I think that's more significant than anything else in the bill. Yeah, it talks I about... Mean, it talks about teaching sexual orientation or gender identity. Why, why should kindergarten through third grade, which would be like basically five through nine or ten-year-olds, why would anyone think that it's a good idea to discuss gender identity or sexual orientation with them in the first place? I mean, th these are minds that are um, not even close to being fully developed. They're, they're, no. they're so impressionable. I mean, I always say, I, I think about my own children, what they said they were doing between the ages of five and nine or what they were pretending to be. And yet you're having teachers around the country. And the reason there's a need for this bill is, again, I'm not advocating or a big fan of social media, but when you go on and you, I have people send to me things from TikTok or things from Snapchat and Instagram where you have teachers that are basically saying, yeah, this is what we're doing behind parents' back, and they're proud of it. They're encouraging people. They're encouraging these young kids to act in this manner. I mean, my young kids would have wanted to eat chocolate cake for dinner every night of the week. I wouldn't let them do that, so why am I going to let them uh, say, yeah, I think I'm a girl today or I think I'm a boy today if that goes opposite of the sex they were born? It's, it's 
even more insidious than that. And I have to laugh because just recently um, I was sitting next to my five-year-old granddaughter at a, at a table. She was working on a jigsaw puzzle, and she was dressed up in a princess dress um, with Batman socks and Spider-Man gloves. Love it. Doing her jigsaw puzzle. Love it. <laughs> just, just being a kid. It, just let kids be kids. But the adult population who wants to push these narratives into the classrooms at the earliest ages. I'm looking, I have in front of me two books for those early grades, K through three. And I'm not going to give the titles because I don't want to promote the book. But in both of these books, they communicate to children. And I'm just going to read from one page. Um, When a baby is born, a grown-up says it's a boy or it's a girl. It's a brand new baby. If it's a brand new baby could talk, sometimes that baby might say, no, I'm not. When a baby grows up to be transgender, it means that the grown-up who said they were a boy or a girl made a mistake. And that's the theme in talking to kids about what gender they were God-given at birth and how that's really not who they are. Um, My first exposure to this was 30 years ago at at an in-service professional development meeting for um, teachers in the Akron area. Deborah Hafner came in from SECUS, which is the Sex Information and Education Council of the United States. They had just come out for the first time with their guidelines. Their guidelines are still in effect today and are part of the national health standards, which affects all schools across the nation. And they have uh, their topics outlined by subject and grade level. So back then, the transgender issues were being pushed starting at age nine, but that was 30 years ago. So it's really just bumped up. You know, in, in time, over time, they have, or I should say, bumped down in lower grade levels over time. But these concepts, you know, back then, 30 years ago, it was teaching in grades kindergarten that you have body parts that feel good when touched. So there were other, other hugely controversial um, topics within these curricular frameworks that have been um, uh siphoned out to school districts under the radar of parents who are just trusting that what information is presented at their school is is good and healthy for their children. So what the Florida bill does is it flips it on its head, and it requires the school districts to um, support the concept that the parents have the final say. They are the ones that need to be communicated with, Um, and and there is a piece of the bill that has a, an avenue of redress for parents when there's a, a concern that's not getting resolved. Well, they have a path to take to get, you know, declaratory or, or injunctive relief. Well, and one, so, of the, one of the reasons we're in this mess, Melanie, I feel, is because we've, as parents, as a society, um, kind of dismissed and turned over the educational process to the government and to their worldview and not to the parental worldview, and we're turning our kids over to, to them um, for well, 30 to 40 hours a week, and then we expect to be able to fix all that in the evening when we're running around like crazy and running to sporting events, and I, we've dropped the ball, and they've captured right. a generation of kids, and those kids now have become teachers, and it's so disturbing to see what they want to implement or what they want to push on our children and grandchildren. I mean, your, your granddaughter's sitting there in Batman gloves. I mean, you know, she was having fun. You weren't worried that she wanted to run out and fight the Joker, right? 
I mean, no. no, you were having fun coloring and doing things. I mean, and that's how it, I mean, that's how it works. That's how it's going to be. Those young minds are exploring and thinking. But you know what? With experience and everything that happens, everything's going to be fine. But we have educators now that would have pulled her aside and said, well, if you think you're going to be, if you think you can be Batman or Spider-Man, you can. And that would mean you're a boy. Although there's some right now that are probably screaming at the radio that Batman and Spider-Man aren't always boys. So, I, I you know, <laughs> I don't know. So it, it just the confusion of it all. But I'm worried about that generation of young people. I'm worried about the influence they have. And you're talking about this legislation. I know you work closely with legislation in Florida and Tennessee, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and right here in Ohio. You've been going to the State House in Ohio um, for, what, over 30 years. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say to parents out there listening that want to be involved in that process? How do they get involved? Because we're talking about legislation, revised code, all this stuff. How do they get involved? Well, I will tell you that uh, back in the late 90s, we were able to kick out uh, some of these concepts out of state policy that were very nasty. It's too long of a story to tell them right now. Um, very nasty. I, I It just... It's, it's disgusting. Um, but the policy itself, then, out of not in state policy, was driven by these groups that were pressing for it down into the local districts. So the first step for parents is to um, just be in communication with your child's teacher uh, all the time and be curious. You don't have to be adversarial. Just be curious. You know, what's going to be covered in... Um, in, human, in sexuality education, if your child's a little bit older, or human development. You know, what, what are the health topics they're talking about this year? Um, can, I, can I see the materials? Can I see what's being presented? And just, just ask questions of curiosity, and then look for local policy on these issues. Your state school board has minutes on, their web, on the school's website. You know, just become generally informed. If there's a particular curriculum, ask if they're using it. Um, I would ask if they're using uh, Be Proud, Be Responsible as one curricular framework. That's still in effect today that we fought 25 years ago, 28 years ago. Um, Be Proud, Be Responsible, Becoming a Responsible Teen. Those wrapping papers look good. They are not. So you kind of get past the titles of what's being taught into the substance of what's being taught. And it just takes stepping up and, and, and having conversations with your teachers, with local school board members. Um, and just investigating what's going on. And then once you find an issue, you need to go to a local school board member and begin having the conversations on on how to get rid of it or be protective of parents so that they can opt out. Well, we appreciate all that you do. If people want to learn more about the work of the American Policy Roundtable, they can visit us at aproundtable.org or hear you in the discussions at thepublicsquare.com. Thanks so much for filling us in, Melanie, and letting us know, despite what the media says, there's certain words that aren't in that Florida legislation. Exactly. All right. Thank you. You're listening to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420. The answer, your calls when we come back after the break. Welcome back. Always right with Bob France. Rob Walgate with you today. Just a couple more minutes left on this Friday morning. Want to jump to your phone calls in this last segment. TJ, good morning. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Rob. 
you know, Rob, all this sable rattling, uh, rattling going on with the Ukraine, and much of it coming out of the left, we have to defend Ukrainian democracy. Even if you've got to pay $10 a gallon for gas, that's patriotic. We have to defend our democracy. Now, this gave me deja vu back when I was 18 years old, and they told me the same thing about South <laughs> uh, Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. So we did go there and defend their democracy. And then when we come home, we were honored by the left with spit, disdain, insults. Now, these very same liberals, they're out there yelling, Ukrainian democracy, we've got to do everything. And one other quick thing, Bob, 18 years old after a firefight, my platoon sergeant, who at the time was in his mid-30s, and, you know, when you're 18, that's like grandpa talking, you listen. And I remember he told his son, we're fighting the wrong enemy here. And my words to him were, well, they're a bunch of commie rats. And he says, yeah, they're commie rats, but they're no uh, threat to our country, son. He says, the real threat are them commie rats back at home. Amen. And I asked him, I says, what, you know, what commie rats? He says, look, if you're lucky enough to get out of here and go home, he says, don't let them fool you. They give themselves fancy names. He says, son, they call themselves progressives. They call themselves liberals. He says, but make no doubt about it. They're just a pack of commie rats. And, you know, over the decades I watched, he was exactly right. Well, it's been happening for over 100 years for sure, TJ, when you look back at the progressive movement. And the thing is, how many places have you seen implode from the inside, not the outside? So I think he was giving you um, some wise wisdom yeah. when it comes to that. Have a great Friday. Thanks for the call. We're going to go to Charlie in Westlake. Good morning, Charlie. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for taking the call. You guys are doing a good good substitute job. Appreciate Very it. Very good. Hey, um, something, you, you brought up the gerrymandering mess, and I really do think it's a mess. I've been involved in politics now since I was 12. I'm 66 now. And, and I remember back in the late 70s, early 80s, Governor Rose did a big push to end gerrymandering and i had to go door to door getting signatures to end gerrymandering and that was back in 1980 or something like that this is going on now this guy max miller he's got the golden uh endorsement from trump he could probably win anywhere and then the republican rather the this court has just cut his knees out from underneath him they've cut they've, they've hurt him he should sue because he, he's he's put a lot of money into this race and he took they took the race and tore it away from him well he put, a, he put a lot of money in the race but the district boundaries weren't drawn um and now the republicans are the ones who have redrawn these that they'll agree to for four years but they are still a mess and you have to look no further than pennsylvania or north carolina their supreme courts rejected maps basically redrew new maps and then the supreme court of the united states said that they weren't going to touch it. They may touch it in two years as it pertains to one of them. So as long as humans are involved in the process, gerrymandering is still going to be an issue. So it's unfortunate all the way around. Thanks, Charlie, for the call. Quickly, we're going to go to Elaine in Avon Lake. Elaine, we got about a minute left. Good morning. Good morning, Rob. I enjoy your show as well. Thank you. I'm calling regarding the conversation you had with your boss on the Ukraine. When Kamala Harris was asked whether or not the United States would take in any of these Ukraine refugees, she couldn't answer that question because they're white. Well, there is, I I will say this, Elaine, um, and thank you for the phone call. There is a lot of dysfunction when it comes to the Biden administration as far as the answers to say publicly and what they're saying behind the scenes. I know there's dysfunction in between the staff 
of the vice president with the president, what her role is, what her role will be going forward. I mean, she was, I believe she was supposed to go to the southern border uh, a while ago. I'm not sure she's ever made that trip or found the southern border, the location she was supposed to go to. Who really knows? Yeah, I, I mean, so the things that are happening behind the scenes when it comes, remember, let's remember the primary debate. Kamala Harris, in essence, called Joe Biden a racist. She called him a racist. Now, that Joe Biden then picks her to be his running mate. The reason he picked her is because he cut deals behind the scenes, and then he said publicly that you had to meet certain qualifications to be selected. I I mean, there's dysfunction in all of it. Um, The great thing is, is we have a say in it. We have hope in the process, and um, we have to keep doing more. Big thanks, Bob France, allowing me to sit in the chair. I appreciate each and every one of his listeners. Remember, be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil by doing good. Thank you all. Have an amazing Friday. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.